Hi everyone. <laughs> Last week we mentioned and talked about a very, very important topic that is affecting a lot of people and that is pride. Yes, we talked, we started our series last week on pride. You better listen to the last week's message too. But anyway, in a nutshell, last week we mentioned three parts. We said that pride is from the world, it's not from God. And pride is one of the root of sin. And also we mentioned that pride is when we think we're better than others. Today I want to talk about the fruits of a prideful heart. And sometimes we feel we're very humble people, but when you begin to hear this message, you realize, huh, I'm not as humble as I think I am. Or at least some of you already admit that you're very prideful, but some of you admit you're prideful, but you're still not doing anything about it because you don't think that it's a sin. Well, pride is a sin against God. So uh, if you don't want to change, it's really up to you. But here are the eight symptoms of, of pride or the fruit of pride. I've been, I've been seeing in God's word as his spirit works in my life. I've seen it in my life. I realize, man, I, I'm so prideful. And some of them, they're blind spots, spots. They're blinders, like looking in a mirror and you don't see the areas, the back of your head and you realize you think you're good, but you're not. Well, here are some of the eight symptoms of, 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 of a prideful heart. The first one, fear. Ah, fear. Fear is deeply rooted in pride. Fear, yeah, fear. Why is fear deeply rooted in pride? Pride is at the root of fear and anxiety when we refuse to humbly rest in God's sovereign care. Ah, that's a mouthful, right? When we have fear, you know the reason why you're afraid? is because you're in a situation where you can't control it. Because you're in a situation, the reason why we're fearful is because we are self-reliant. Fear is caused by a lack of God-reliance. And that's exactly where pride comes in. Pride comes because we rely too much on our own strength, abilities, and talents. That's why we become fearful. Fear simultaneously reveals our lack of trust and our poisonous self-reliance. I say poisonous self-reliance. I'm not saying we're not going to do anything, but I'm just saying our hearts should be relying on God as we do things. We fear because we don't have faith in the Lord. The opposite of fear is faith. It's not faithlessness. It's actually fear. Okay, when you're anticipating something bad's going to happen because you lack the faith. We are enormously preoccupied with ourselves. It's me, myself, and I, what I want, and the whole universe is centered towards me. And when things aren't happening and we don't have control, we begin to have fear. We talked about it last week. When one wants to be in control, it be, can be caused by fear. Story of Peter, when he stepped out on the stormy seas, and he saw Jesus. They thought Jesus was a ghost. And then he said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And he says, no, come to me. He was, when he went there, he humbled himself and he says, okay, Jesus, I'm going to go to you. And when he started walking to Jesus, got out of the boat, he was able to walk on water because he had humble faith. He did not fear but when he removed his eyes on Jesus, when his gaze shifted to his situation, to the sea, to the, the waves, to his circumstance, and he, it shifted to self-preservation, he began to trust in his own ability to float, thus making him afraid, and he began to sink. 
It was Jesus who saved him by, right, by admonishing him. He said, hey, of course, he took him out, held him. But he said, hey, Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, pride causes a lot of fear in our lives. That's why when we humble ourselves, humility is actually when we go to God. That's being humble. The second uh, symptom of pride or fruit of pride is entitlement. Ah, entitlement. I deserve this. I work hard for this. I, I, I need, I'm entitled to this. Self-sacrifice stems from a humble heart. Okay, when you sacrifice it. Entitlement is rooted in a prideful heart. Okay, I, I deserve this. The core of the gospel is that we're not entitled to anything. You're not entitled to anything. Not anything. You know who, what you're entitled to? Just punishment for your sins, for our sins. Bible says all have sinned. You have sinned. You've fallen short of the glory of God. The truth of the matter is this. We're all sinners. The Bible says not even one. No one, no one is understanding. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. Okay, not even one. Okay, have you ever heard someone say, hey, he's a good kid or he's a good person? Maybe trying, maybe, you know what, there's no such thing. I, the truth is, everyone's a sinner trying to be good. Everyone's a sinner. Yeah, it's not good trying to sin. No, you're a sinner trying to be good, fighting sin. Okay? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The other truth is this. You deserve nothing. You deserve nothing. What you have is the grace of God. Everything you have is from God. Your talent, your skills, your abilities, your life came from God. You deserve nothing. Think about that for a while. Don't ever think, the moment you begin to think, no, I, I work hard for this. Hey, no, no, no. You don't deserve anything. You deserve to, we deserve to go to hell. That's what we deserve. Aren't you glad life's not fair? Because if it was fair, we're all doomed. We're all just going to, we're, we're at this point, we're just living in grace. Everything is by grace. The business you have, the work you have, the family you have, your health is by grace. You don't know. Anytime you can just go. Grace is when you don't get what you deserve. Okay? And yet God blesses you anyway. That, my friend, is the truth. So whenever you say, I deserve this or I deserve that, that is your pride saying you are entitled. We deceive ourselves into thinking we're better than we are and we deserve better than we have. We think we deserve God's mercy. Hey, God, you owe it to me. No, he doesn't. We think we deserve people's praise. We think we deserve love, success, comfort, accolades. We certainly don't think we deserve suffering. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this kind of suffering. Why? Who gave you your life? God. Okay. And many times you suffer. It wasn't because of God. Okay, it's probably because of our pride. We deserve suffering. We don't, we don't think we deserve suffering or heartbreak or discipline. Oh, I don't deserve this. We deserve everything. We okay, but when we do experience this thing, we grow bitter, right? We get mad, frustrated, and disturbed because we believe we're entitled. We are entitled. We, people are feeling we're entitled. Sometimes we get mad at God. God, why is this thing happening? 
We forget that apart from Christ, we're sinners who deserve condemnation. The disciples wrestled with entitlement many times. On one occasion, they're arguing. All of them were arguing and say, who's the greatest? And they selfishly thought they deserve honor and glory. But Jesus said, you know, the greatest among you is the least among you. If you want to be great, you have to be the least. If you want to be first, you have to be the last. If you want to be the leader, you're going to be the servant. That was putting people, there, people in their place. That's what we deserve, right? The third one, another symptom of pride. If you know if you have pride is when you're always grumbling and complaining, it's ingratitude. When you're not grateful. A proud heart says we're good, that we should get what we want. And if we don't, we're justified in our ingratitude. You try to justify that why you're ungrateful. I'm ungrateful because of this. No. If we're uncomfortable or inconvenienced in any way, we, we complain. Right? Why, why are they making us do this? I don't deserve this. It's our right. Well, humility recognizes that God is good, that He gives us what He knows we need, so we have no reason to be ungrateful. There's nothing we lack. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the works of your hands. He has watched over your journey through these vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. That was in Deuteronomy when he was talking to the Israelites. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. Fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack Nothing. Ah. The Israelites grumbled in the wilderness, though God fed, clothed, and led them through it. Their stubborn hearts rejected God's daily mercies out of a foundation of self-idolization. But God's word rebukes our proud, grumbling heart with this command. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Grumbling, complaining is a sign of ingratitude. And ingratitude is one of the symptoms of pride. The next one, oh, I'm guilty with this, happens to me when you are a man pleaser, people pleasing. Okay, when you do things, sometimes we, we cover it up as if we're trying to be just hospitable. But sometimes we please men to the point that we're, it's not already pleasing to God. Pride is self-worship and self-preservation at all costs, right? And people-pleasing is the direct result of pride. Okay, some, some think people-pleasing is positive. Oh, they're... They, you know, it's a positive trait because they're so clearly concerned with serving others. But that belief is nothing more than a sneaky, you know, just it's a cop out. People pleasing is about self-satisfaction. It pleases you when you please people, right? Fearing man more than God. We please people to the point of sinning and seeking the fleeting happiness that comes from man's approval. We would like to have man's approval more than God's approval. The Apostle Paul knew human approval was a pointless and prideful pursuit. Because of that, he could say, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. There are so many things that God tells us that will not be pleasing to others. God command me to do things that men don't like. 
some people will probably, you know, offend you or, or be against you. So again, don't be a man pleaser. You know why? Again, it's pride. The fifth one, hmm, prayerlessness. When you don't pray is a sign of pride. I'm going to say that again. When you're not prayerful, it's a sign of pride. You know why? Because pride deceives us into thinking, I don't need God. When you, when you don't pray, it's like, I don't need your advice, God. I don't need to talk to you. I can do it on my own. I'm capable. I'm independent. I'm unstoppable. And I'm self-reliant. We think we don't need God every hour. We don't need His help. I don't need your grace, your mercy. I don't need your courage. I don't need courage from you and hope. So I don't need to pray. See, that's, that's pride. But a humble heart says, God, I need you. I need encouragement. I need wisdom from you. Lord, I can't do it without you because I can't do nothing without you. See, that's being humble. Okay, when God called Jonah, remember that character in the Bible, Jonah to go to Nineveh. He says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah was so comfortable, he didn't want to go. Okay, what did Jonah do? Jonah's response was not to go to prayer. In fact, he fled. He ran away. His heart furiously and arrogantly, you know, silent as mentioned in Jonah. When God humbled him in the belly of a great fish. Remember that? He was eaten by a fish and brought, God forced this fish, ate him and forced and brought him to Nineveh. And while he was there, he was crying out to God in prayer. See, God humbled Jonah. Do you want to get to a point where God will use a fish to humble you? <laughs> you don't want to go there, right? Just do it because God, he's God. Okay, when Jonah finally cried out in prayer, he became a prayerful guy after that. <laughs> Prayerlessness is a symptom of pride too. Okay, sixth one, hypocrisy. Hypocrites. Hypocrites is when what you're showing the outside is different from the inside. Oh, you know, it's sometimes it's called false humility. When you're proud, you kind of try to elevate your status beyond who you really are. You're not realizing you forget the mercy God has shown you. You think you're already, you know, you the man, right? You think you're better and holier than everyone else. And you easily find fault with others. When you have, you're, you become critical of others. Pride produces a critical spirit, hypocritical spirit, in fact. The Pharisees, their, their pride blinded them to their sin and to God's mercy, which made them cold-hearted and cruel towards other people. Jesus had harsh words for them. He said to them, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Wow, that's strong. Hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead bones and everything that's unclean. Wow. Looking good on the outside, but inside is dead. The seventh symptom of pride or fruit of pride is when you have a rebellious spirit or rebellion. Okay, when you rebel against God himself, it's manifested towards this in, inward resistance. You, sometimes you resist the word of God. You read the word and you resist it. Okay, and that's when you resist God. There's rebellion against God. Another way you can see that is when you resist the people that God has placed in your lives. Maybe they're spiritual leaders. Maybe they're your parents. Maybe they're your teachers in school. 
Okay, that's the reflex of a prideful heart. It shows a lack of submission. You don't submit to your, to your boss. You don't submit to other employees. To, sometimes we don't submit to the government as citizens. Okay, rebellion says, I know better than you. Okay, you God when you don't. We see rebellion in the first, uh, in the first people God created, Adam and Eve. Remember, they rebelled. Even though they had all they needed for life and they had joy, you know, out of pride, they rebelled against God's grace, thinking they knew better than God. And this rebellion brought pain and suffering and death for them and for us. Very important, rebellion. And lastly, rejection. This is a heavy word. I've counseled a lot of people as a pastor, uh, and I too have felt this, rejection. Okay? When we feel rejected by the world, when we try to gain our acceptance through the world system. Okay? And I'll tell you, this world will reject you. In fact, the people who are closest to you are the ones who will reject you. And sometimes, many times, when you feel the spirit of rejection, that is another fruit of pride. When one is rejected, what was really rejected was our ego, was our self-worth. And we kind of try rebounding back or bouncing back through other means. You know, some friends of mine, they, you know, when they were young, he says, uh, you will never amount to anything. The pride was hit hard. So now he says, I'm never going to be uh, unsuccessful. Everything I do, he became a workaholic because of pride, because he was rejected. Some people are like that. Some people will just cower back or, you know, move back. So it's important. Pride is so important. Okay? Rejection can hit you so hard that it will affect your life. Okay? And the way you talk when you talk to people. And the cycle never ends. It just keeps going on. We, it's a feeling of resentment because of the rejection that you have experienced. And this could have happened to us a long time ago, and yet you still, still feel the agony and the pain it has caused. Pride is a deal, real deal breaker. It destroys you. But folks, let me just say to you, everything that I've mentioned, I just want to say this. There is hope. There is hope for the proud heart through the incarnation of, human, uh, of, incarnation of humility, Jesus Christ. God with us. You know what happened? God, when, when they say Emmanuel or God with us, he's actually with us physically. You know that 2,000 years ago, he, Jesus came down from heaven and became a person. You know, I love this story of a friend of mine. He said it was, you know, there was winter and there were so many birds flying and they're about to die because it was so cold. So he opened his garage and asked the birds, hey, come on here. So he got, drew near, he got close to the birds and was trying to shoo them or bring them rather to their to go inside this garage to save them. But every time he would go near the birds, the birds would fly to another tree. And he would try to go there again and was putting food on the, on the, inside the garage for them to go in so they don't feel cold. But every time he got near them, they flew away. And then he said, you know, I can't, they don't understand me. I wish I was a bird too. If I were a bird, I'd probably go to them and speak the bird language to them. And so that I can tell them to go in the garage. You know who that was? That was Jesus. Jesus is God, folks. And you know what? He became a bird. In other words, an analogy, he became a man just like us. 
he humbled himself from God to becoming a man. Okay, why? Because he wanted to tell us, he wanted to communicate that he loved us. It takes a lot of humility for somebody who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to become just like us. Okay, and when he came down here, funny thing about Jesus, this God, he never owned a shred of sinful pride. He wasn't prideful. He had no fear. He didn't feel entitled, even if he has, you know, the title. There was no ingratitude. There, he wasn't a man pleaser. He was always praying to his father. He wasn't a hypocrite or he wasn't rebellious, right? Philippians 2, 4 to 6 says, have this, have this mind amongst yourself. Have this in your mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in, in the form of God, he did not count equality with God, his father, a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus is God. Okay, that's his equal. And yet he emptied himself of everything that he deserves so that we can be saved from our pride. He who was entitled to the highest honor forfeited, forfeited this title for our redemption. It's because of Jesus, because of God's humility that we can be forgiven for our pride. That's, again, that's both the sting and joy of the gospel. It deals with our pride by destroying it. Reminding us that life is not about us, not about you and me, bro. And that we deserve only the wrath of God for our sins. Jesus Christ also deals with our pride by taking the just punishment for it upon himself at the cross. <laughs> That's humility right there. That we might re be renewed in the image of our creator and make, made humble like our savior. Being humble is not smooth. Being humble is not painless. When Jesus was humbled, he was crucified. It's not easy to be humble, but it's our rescue. That's the only way we can be rescued. Jesus is our rescue for our pride.